Good morning and welcome to Monday morning, March the 8th in 2021 on Winter Rise. Today we start the next week in the Revised Common Lectionary, which is the fourth Sunday in Lent in year B. And on Mondays, we like to take a look at the Old Testament text for the week. And we're going to be in a, a peculiar spot. We're going to be in Numbers 21 verses 4 through 9. This is going to be a story that's going to be referenced in the gospel text, which will come Friday of the week, but it's good to kind of set the place now. So let me read that passage, provide a couple points for reflection, then we'll spend our time praying along the theme that we find in the Bible this morning. So thanks for making this party of morning on When I Rise. Let's let our souls arise and we got together in a time of prayer. Numbers chapter 21, verses 4 through 9. Then they traveled from Mount Hor by the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people became impatient along the way. And the people spoke against God and against Moses. Why have you brought us up from Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread or water, and we detest this worthless food. So the Lord sent venomous snakes among the people, and they bit the people. Many people of Israel died. Then the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he would take away the snakes from us. So Moses prayed for the people. The Lord said to Moses, Make a poisonous snake and set it on a pole. When anyone who is bitten looks at it, he will live. So Moses made a bronze snake and put it on a pole, so that if a snake had bitten someone, when he looked at the bronze snake, he lived. This is the word of God for us. Numbers 21 is just one of these episodes that we have in the wilderness where the people of God have this tug of war with God, right? They're, on the one hand, thankful at times, and they praise God, and they trust in His provision, whether it's the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night, uh, whether it's the food that God gives, uh, the deliverance from their enemies. But then there are these times where they just uh, they get irritable, and they rebel against God, or they complain against God. So even though, as referenced here in the story, God has given them manna and he's given them specific instructions and it's always there for them, uh, they begin to detest uh, what God has done. And they're trying to avoid uh, one region uh, in order not to uh, confront or to have any sort of uh, mixing with a group of people. So they're taking this long journey around in order uh, to avoid them. And so they become impatient and then that impatience turns to grumbling. And so... Uh, Mo, uh, the uh, writer of Numbers tells us that the snakes went among them and began to bite them. And so they raised their voice and they confessed their sin. And so God gave Moses this commandment to take a poisonous snake and to put it on a bronze pole. And whenever someone is bitten by one of these snakes, and this, like the original Hebrew is like this burning sensation that they would feel uh, whenever they got bit by one of these snakes, they could look to it and there would be deliverance, there would be healing. And so this is a, you know, there's a lot that we can unpack here. We could talk about, you know, what's up with God, you know, sending these poisonous snakes and um, what, why are these people uh, so so uh, back and forth with God and why do they uh, test God over and over again? It's just worth noting that somehow this bronze snake that was constructed that was a help during this era of Israel's existence was kept, right? And it was kept among perhaps the, the furnishings of the temple. 
And if we fast forward to the book of 2 Kings chapter 18, we see that this this bronze snake that was a help in numbers has become like a profane image in that time of Israel's history. Um, There was a king, King Hezekiah, who had his heart set on worshiping God. And uh, he saw that there were many things getting in the way of of Israel uh, worshiping God faithfully, like some altars to different gods, uh, some shrines that were inappropriate. And so he began to just smash all of these, what they call high places, and he tore down all these altars. And he destroyed this bronze serpent because it became something that people were making sacrifices to. It, it resembled one of the Canaanite gods and the, one of the Canaanite communities that was leading Israel to sin, so he removed it. And so what was helpful in one generation was harmful in another. Uh, so you have this like this helpful and this harmful, but then as we'll see in John chapter 3, Jesus uses this image from Numbers 21 as a metaphor uh, for the Christian life, for those who would seek him. And so you have this interesting like image, right? So, so something that was important for the moment becomes a stumbling block in the next. And that happens from time to time, uh, where something that was helpful in the past becomes an albatross or becomes some sort of a, a weight or a burden in the next several generations. And so it's important for us uh, to be discerning about what is helpful and what is not. Uh, it seems like the church goes in these interesting 500-year cycles. Uh, one bishop called it a rummage sale every 500 years. One of these great shakings, right, that happens every 500 years in the life of the church where we take out like you know someone who's got a really cluttered garage and they take everything out they say okay i think this was important you know back then but it's kind of getting in the way now so maybe we should offload it and it's just something that i think faith communities do it's to take an honest assessment about what is important now uh it was something that was important back in the past is it still important today and that's one of the functions of the body of christ is to have corporate discernment and many suggest that we're going through that right now there's been so much drastic change in social life in the past 100 years that church leaders have suggested that we're going through one of these 500 year rummage sales where we're negotiating what is helpful for our journey in the, the days to come. I like the way that Todd Bolsinger's got a book called Canoeing the Mountains where he was talking about Lewis and Clark and their journey towards West. And they're hauling these great canoes. And when they got to Colorado and they began to see this uh, mountainous terrain, they knew that the canoes uh, weren't gonna be helpful for that next leg and so they had to leave them to the side. And so I think that you're sen- probably sensing that in your own life, you're sensing that in your traditions and in maybe your local church community. There's this negotiation about what's going on. And so above all these things, we hear the wisdom from scripture from 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, which is to test the spirits, to test all things. Paul tells us also in another place to uh, cling to what is good and avoid what is evil. And evil could have quotations around it there. What is helpful for the days to come? And so this takes great discernment, and I pray that you and I would gear ourselves up with that discernment as we seek Christ together in communities for the church, not just of yesterday, but for the church of today and for the church that is yet to come. So let's spend some time praying along that theme this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we thank you that you're the eternal one, that you're always with your people, and you're the God of Moses and the people of Israel back in the wilderness. 
You're the God of us today, and you'll be the God of the church in the future. You'll govern over the heavens and the earth. And so we thank you that we have nothing to fear. We have nothing uh, that would cause us to renegotiate our whole faith. God, we thank you that there are times in which uh, you lead us to make course adjustments as the people of God. That a part of our identity as the people of God is is a pilgrim people, that we're on a journey. And that happens for us individually, but also happens for us corporately. And so God, as we journey the next phase together, uh, we thank you that you're with us, that you fill your church with your life, that you empower us with the Holy Spirit, with gifts for ministry, and that you send us into the world that you love so that we might share the witness of the resurrection. And so God, uh, we pray that you would animate your people, that you would give us life and hope, that you would give us unique wisdom for the days ahead. God, I pray that we'd have the courage to reason together about what is vital for today uh, and whether if it was vital yesterday, is it vital still for the days to come? And so God, govern these conversations, govern the way in which we pray and think and study together and also plot the vision of the church going forward. God, we thank you that uh, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church that this is the church that is yours, that you are building. And so, God, we thank you for the privilege of being a part of it and the privilege of seeing you work out your plan and your story among us. So, God, use our lives. Fill us with enthusiasm for the days ahead. And I pray that as we live lives among those who are in the watching world around us, that they would want to seek the Lord, that they would want to come find you, that they would find salvation and hope. ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.